Welcome to the Three Timbers podcast, Life Interrupted. Today we are joined by Jeff Ryan and Joe Slabaugh, and today's guest, Tim Hoynes. All right, and welcome back to our Life Interrupted podcast. Joe, how are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for asking. I'm excited about today. We were, This is a big day. First time in 3TC Life Interrupted history that we are bringing on another voice besides us. And, you know, thankfully it is a voice of reason. It is a voice of wisdom. And we, we scoured the country, literally the world, that who would be the most impactful, powerful guest that we could have. And then we couldn't get him. And we couldn't get him. So now we have to find somebody else. To have the right reverend, Tim Hoynes, <laughs> with us today. Tim, welcome to Life Interrupted. Oh, well, thank you, guys. Thank you. And that was a great introduction, and I was really scared that you were going to build me up to be something more than I than I am. So thank goodness that uh, whoever your real guest couldn't be. <laughs> no, we're just telling people who it is. You have all the answers to every Bible question there is because you are freshly minted, you are done with seminary, done with ordination, you are getting ready to accept a call out in California. We are going to miss you, but we know that you're going to do great things. Can you share with the hundreds of thousands of listeners that we have kind of where you're going in your call? Sure. Um, Christy and I are super excited to have accepted a call in Hanford, California at First Presbyterian Church in Hanford. Um, they are, Hanford is 40 miles south of Fresno. It is in the beautiful San Joaquin Valley. Uh, I've done my map looking. I think it's to the right of the San Andreas Fault. So uh, we'll have beachfront property apparently someday. <laughs> nice. Landing ahead. That's good. <laughs> but uh, the church is a congregation that's well over 100 years old. Uh, the building itself that they're in now is, uh, is, was built in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, incorporated some of the uh, pieces and parts from the original church. It's it's right across the street from what is their town square uh, in downtown Hanford. It's a beautiful, beautiful place to be. Beautiful little town, uh, sixty thousand people. County seat of Kings County, so I can get to go to the uh, to the county fair and all those great things. Uh, mostly an agricultural community, but there is a naval air station not too far away, so we pull some folks in from there as well. It's an exciting, exciting place to be, and we're really looking forward to uh, everything that, that God's going to lead us to in that church and in partnership with them. Mm. Well, it's obviously, it's a big change going from living in Nebraska to living in California to go from, you know, working in the secular world to now vocational ministry. But you've had a life that's been interrupted in many ways uh, along your journey to this point. I'm just wondering, as you kind of now look backwards, as you begin to move forward into this new season of life, what are maybe some of the ways that you've seen how God has interrupted your life that has maybe shaped for you for this moment to be able to go and take this call? Sure. Um, It it is amazing, especially as you start looking back on life uh, and you really, really understand how, how, how God has been moving in your life through everything, uh, just forming you to be the person that he needs you to be, uh, to step out when he needs you to step out. Uh, If I went to look for the very first time that God, uh, that I look back, I mean, obviously my childhood, a wonderful childhood raised in a, in a good home that believed in serving the Lord. Uh, but you know, that first maybe real step was just when he introduced me to my wife in college. Uh, 
when, when I, when Christy and I first met, uh, she was a person that just was fascinating to me. She was unlike anybody I'd ever met before. She had a much uh, simpler faith than I had. And that was in a good way, right? That wasn't a faith that, that didn't have all the questions and wanted to know why. It was just a, this is who God is and he, and, and he's in my life. And, and, and so that was really, really good to me. It really helped me through that time. Uh, then as far as, uh, you know, so of course we got married, uh, but then probably the biggest thing had happened after that. We, we'd been members of a church and, and, and sort of half members, you know, or not, I shouldn't say half members, but uh, not as involved as we could have been. Uh, but probably the biggest change that really happened in our lives, and I've shared this with most, most folks, I think, know this, that Christy and I, between uh, Nick and Connor, our first and second boys, uh, we had a daughter that was stillborn. Uh, we were six and a half months along. Uh, it was a cord accident. The, the, the umbilical cord got uh, wrapped around her leg and basically knotted off, and, 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 and the blood circulation was, was cut off. And so that was just a, a crazy time in our lives. Um, that was an event that, that obviously I wouldn't wish on anybody. Um, and that's an event that really destroys a lot of marriages. But Christy and I, through just, just the love of the Lord, were able to lean on him. And we leaned on him heavier than we'd ever imagined we, we would have to. Um, and he really pulled us through it. So 26 years later, I should do the math better. <laughs> it, I look at that time and the blessings that actually came out of that as God moved in our lives and made our marriage stronger and made our relationship to him stronger, both as a married couple, but also as individuals, it really just changed everything in how we looked at the Lord and looked on, uh, on, on how we serve him in the world. Well, and I think, and first, thank you for sharing that, that story. I've had the privilege of, of you sharing that before. And, you know, there's a lot of people who go through life and have tragedies happen and aren't able to, you know, kind of take that, grow closer to God, grow closer to each other and move forward. What did you learn about God in the middle of what was a really painful interruption in your life? Yeah, I'll tell you the first thing I I learned, um, and I like to tell everybody this, because the first thing I did was uh, we were waiting in the hospital for a few days for Emily to be delivered. And and so the first thing I did was bring my Bible— and I sat down and I said I was going to read the book of Job because the book of Job is all about guys who a guy who went through a suffering and, and came out the backside. Um, it's a horrible book to read during that time. It, was, it, it makes no sense when you really get to it. Uh, but, but when you really look at it, uh, looking further on in my faith, it really is um, a great introduction to how um, – how God is in control of everything. And there are some things that won't make sense to you as you're going through them. And they may not make sense to you years later even, but he does have a divine plan. Uh, And when you can put your faith in that divine plan and just focus on that, he really will lead you into great places that you never imagined you'd go. And he will heal you through things that you thought were unhealable. 
unhealable. Is that a word? We're calling it a sure. word. We're going to coin it right here. Yeah, we're going like to give you some leniency today. That's for sure. Tim, you hit on something that we've been talking about in this podcast uh, in the last couple of episodes when it comes to God's, we call it an upper story and a lower story, but really what it means is God's big picture plan in life and then how we live day to day, just the way that we live our lives. Obviously, God knows everything that's going to happen, everything that has happened, and we don't. So for us to jump into that upper story or to have a realization of God's bigger picture plan is a huge step for the Christian faith because that involves a lot of faith and a lot of trust. When you're talking about your situation, having a stillborn situation in your life and how you and Christy got through that, did you have to accept that God had a bigger plan for your life in that moment? Or is that something that you learned later on? You know, I... I it's easy to sit back now and say, yeah, I learned that then. But no, it was really later on. Uh, it was, you know, at, at the time, and I think, I think this happens for most of us. Um, at, at the time, it was just leaning on God to get through it, right? To get through that lower story moment is what it was. And it really did take the maturity of, of years uh, of understanding and of growth in him. Uh, to really begin to see the big picture story and to see how he was moving through all of that, uh, you know how how all good all things work to good for those who trust in the Lord that mm. are called according to His purpose, right? Yeah. And it just takes a while to sometimes see that. I would love to say I saw it right away, but I didn't. But that's also one of those faith steps we have to take is to learn that that God will show us those big picture things, but it may be a while before we see them. Mm. You know, one of the, the the questions I think I have as a, as a husband. You know, when you all went through that, you're going through it. Your wife is going through it, uh, not just emotionally, but physically. How do you help your spouse go through a life interrupted moment as painful as that? How does your faith inform you that says, hey, I love my wife. I want to help her because all of us know people that we love that are going through a painful interruption that maybe we're experiencing, but they're experiencing it maybe in a different way. How did you find the strength to help Christy go through that? Um, you know, that, that, that's a great question. And, and, you know, it's funny because nobody's ever asked me that question before, but I, I, I'm, and I'm happy to tell it, uh, the answer to that is that there was almost nothing I could do other than to be there, hold her hand, cry with her, to pray with her, to pray for her. Um, but ultimately in the end, after a few days of, cause it was, it was a few days before, before Emily was delivered that we had to go through all this. And, um, ultimately it, it came down to me, um, actually leaning on the Lord and telling God, look, I can't do this. I said, I can't do this. This is, this, this prayer was not even about my wife. I said, I can't do this. I cannot be the support she needs to be because I'm a wreck. And I just told him, I said, you need to, you need to make me not be a wreck. Mm. And the calmness that came through that then allowed me to go and just be that strength she needed. Um, but I had to surrender that self, that part of myself to God uh, in order to let him be my strength so I could be her strength. Wow, that's, that's powerful. You know, I think that, you know, you're, you're hitting on something that I think we so underestimate. And I know, Joe, you understand this too, the ministry of presence. Mm. It's, it's not about what you say. It's just that you care enough to say, I'm going to stand with you in the midst of this trial. But as you said, you had to surrender 
and allow the presence of God to be your strength. And, and Joe, can can you just talk about that for a minute, how powerful the ministry of presence is in our life and when we want to be the, the presence in someone else's? Yeah, uh, there's, a, there's a story that I remember from one of Jeff and Mai's mutual most favorite TV shows, um, The West Wing. Yes. There's a conversation that takes place in that TV show where uh, a boss is talking to an employee who's going through a really rough season. And uh, the boss just explains to him that he is willing to walk through anything in life with him. And it's that sojourner philosophy, which is, hey, I don't understand what's going on here either. I don't have the answers for you, but I'm going to walk through this with you and we're going to figure it out together. Yeah. And I think that's just so genuine. It's, it's the most real thing that you can do for someone who's hurting or in a difficult season of life is to walk with them through that. Um, when I think of Jesus, I think time and time again, he walked with people through the difficulties of life. When Jesus heard that Lazarus had died, he knew what he was going to do, but what was his first response? Jesus wept when he heard that Lazarus died. Why? Because he knew how much that would have hurt his family and friends, and he, as a friend of Lazarus, was hurt as well. So his first response was to weep, which just blows my mind because he knew that he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. Like he knew what the end game was going to be, but he still wept because he was a sojourner. He walked with people through the difficulties of life. Uh, And I think, Tim, what you're explaining is just such a great example of that when we don't have the answers. We need to just still be present and walk with people through the interruptions that come into life. You know, I think it's also a, a great, the, the soldier journey is so great too. And it, it's, it shows what I think is the vital, the, the, the vital importance of being involved in, in, in your church and, and your church family, because there is nobody more prepared to walk through life with you than your brothers and sisters in Christ, who you see on a super regular basis. And maybe it's not every week. But 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 it's you know most weekends and most time to get to be together and those are the folks that you can best lean on and in some cases this is this is bad to say right because we should all our families should all be the people we can lean on but sometimes families are broken and man that that family of God that body of Christ that's right there for you weekly those that can be the best people to journey on you through with you through those hard times yeah and those people become like family um, and you're exactly right and oh, I think yeah. it's that ministry of presence in your life? Are you present in the life of others? And do you allow others to be present in your life? And most importantly, is God present in your life, not a destination that you go see on a Sunday, but is he present every day in your marriage, uh, in your parenting and other things? You know, I want to, I want to transition just a little bit from the personal to the professional, uh, because sometimes, you know, our life gets interrupted professionally too. And you had a a very successful business career. You were doing well in your career. Talk about how God interrupted maybe the trajectory of your business world to say, Tim, I got this really great new plan for you. And it's going to take a long time. And it's going to be really hard. And the best part is you're going to take a big pay cut. Other than that, it's going to be amazing. (laughs) Well, you know, uh, it was interesting because um, we, of course, we went to, we started seminary 
10 years ago, right? We graduated a couple of years ago, but waited the kids to get out of school before to make the final move here. But prior to that, uh, I had felt the call and we had started the, down the seminary journey before. Ran into some financial issues that kept us from going. Uh, and of course, again, looking back, that was a blessing in reality because it allowed us to become better financial stewards uh, during our life. And and yeah, right after that, uh, you know, my career was really kind of taken off. I was beginning to make, you know, quite a bit more money, and uh, you know, positions of other companies were were coming about. Uh, and and then, but as that, what what was interesting was, and I've told people this before, right as the call to start seminary happened, uh, I mean, really started the you know the second time when I got to Sioux Falls. Um, some weird things happened in my life and my career wise. Yeah, I was making very good income and, and it was a, a fun job and I enjoyed it, but things changed. Um, some of those opportunities to advance kind of dried up a little bit. Uh, I also didn't push them anymore as much as I had earlier on. Um, and, and, and work within the, the work environment changed a little bit that, that just to me was a, seemed to me a, kind of a real, uh, validation, I guess, that, hey, Tim, this is where I want you. Uh, you know, for a while, I had your career advance and do really well because I needed you to get to a place where you could understand better and learn better. Uh, when I took over a management position, it really was because God opened that door for me because, and I always saw it as an opportunity for him to say, I'm going to have you leave the engineering world, go into the management world because there's something in here you need to learn before you go into full-time ministry. Um, you need to learn how you deal with people in different ways and, and certainly different you know, types of, of, uh, of personalities. And you need to learn to deal with them, not from this aspect of a coworker, but as the aspect of a manager and a leader position. Um, and so it really was. So in reality, while, while my career is being interrupted, God has really been using my career the last 10 to 15 years to really prepare me, I think, for, for this as well. Wow. That's just incredible. Uh, Tim, I just got to ask because we're talking about this massive interruption that you've been kind of going through for the last 10 years of changing careers and feeling called by God to go into ministry. Um, what did it take for you to say yes to this interruption? Um, and what did it take for your family to get on board to say yes to this interruption? Uh, I know I've told this story quite a few times, too. And so this dates all the way back to before uh, when I first felt the call to go to seminary, when ended up not going. Um, obviously our lives had changed with the loss of Emily, just tons. Uh, we became more involved. Uh, our relationship with, with, with Christ grew. Uh, I, I got to points where I realized I needed to start making my own faith decisions, uh, and not necessarily faith decisions that I hadn't chosen Christ, but those faith decisions of where am I going to stand on, on, on theological questions? Uh, and where am I going to stand on statements that are made within the church and stuff? And so those things started to be to grow within me. Uh, that I guess those would be leadership questions you begin to ask yourself, right? Um, and all this time, I just truly felt that I, I, I just, I just knew God was starting to call me to something bigger than, than than what I was doing. And so, like, and I had no idea. How do you tell your wife uh, that you think you're going to be called to go to seminary? How do you tell your wife this? Because this means. Uh, a career that's going really well and, and we're growing and we're starting to have, we're starting to have extra cash, you know, because we keep talking about the cash. That's a big deal, right? I mean, 
making that kind of a commitment is is, is a big deal. And, and at the time, we hadn't decided that it was you know, we, the decision to wait until the kids were grown came later on, and that was part of the delays as well, which we thank God put in our lives for that reason. But uh, so, like any uh, any good brave husband who doesn't know how to tell his wife something, um, I picked up the phone one day and I called her when I was at work and she was at work. And I said, hey, I wanted to tell you that uh, I think God is calling me to seminary. And she stopped and she said, I was wondering how long it was going to take you to figure that out. Hmm. Wow. So she knew before me. Um, she saw the call in my life long before I did. But she also had the wisdom to know that I had to figure it out on my own. That God's timing would do it. Uh, it would bring it about. And so it was, she'd known for probably a year that God was calling me before I finally was, you know, a stupid guy, right? Figured out on my own. Um, so it was, a, but it was, a, it was a big move. And it, it really, that didn't change the tra- trajectory of everything we looked at and how we made decisions after that. Mm. How did you, Tim, come to a place where you recognized that God was calling you to this, but God was calling you to a greater kingdom purpose for your life? Because it's it's one thing to say, I'm willing to make a change in my life, but it's hard for some people to take that step of faith to say, God is calling me to something greater and bigger and more impactful than I ever thought about when it came to my life. How did you get to that point? Because so many people who are listening to this might be saying, I think God's calling me to do something. Maybe it's not vocational ministry like you, but maybe it's something else. How did you kind of say, I think this is a greater kingdom thing that God is doing in my heart? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. Um, because, you know, for me, that, 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 that's such a good question because for me, it was just such a natural progression to get there. But yet God is calling everybody, every single one of us, the spirit is calling us into that greater kingdom work. And, 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 and for the vast majority of folks, it's not going to be vocational ministry. Uh, but for those that are, by all means, ask the right questions and get some advice early on, because maybe I didn't. Mm. <laughs> and, and so, but, but uh, you know, the, the, the very first thing I did when I first started being called, even before I knew my ministry myself, was I really got, I really started to dedicate uh, commitment to involvement in the church, in my local congregation. And it started with just, uh, I was lucky at the night, I worked, at the time I worked a second shift job. So I didn't go to work till one in the afternoon. So a couple mornings a week, I would go and I'd work with the building and grounds guys, the church we were members of. It was a giant, big church. So there was always something to do inside the building. Um, and just the fellowship of, of, of with those. And this, these, were, you know, these were older Christian men. They were retired. So they were in their late 60s and, and you know, in their 70s, um, which doesn't seem quite as old now. But at the time, that seemed... <laughs> um, but just that fellowship of, of Christian men who were, who were mature, mature in their faith, uh, and that guidance uh, of, of them. And just and most of the conversations were just guy-type conversations, right? But just guy-type conversations from the, uh, from the perspective of, of, of a Christian who was further along in their walk than I was. Mm. And so to me, I think that's a great way to find a way to serve the Lord and specifically within your church. Because again, we talk about that relationship and being present with each other. Um, that helps us grow. And, and believe me, the church will find places to, to grow you. Uh, whether it's, you know, I, then of course I took off on the Sunday school classes 
And uh, I helped at another church we were at. I even helped develop some of our new members stuff. Uh, and all those things just developed because as I grew, um, my abilities grew to serve the Lord. Mm, I love that example. Tim, as you're talking, the thing that just keeps coming back to my mind is it's in Luke 14. Jesus is talking about whoever wants to build something, and he used the example of build a building, they would first count the cost and that they would take the time and the preparation to actually get things accomplished before the actual building is completed. Um, no one would want to start something and then realize it was a half-baked idea and they have to end it halfway through. Um, and I, I love how Jesus has used that in Luke 14 to say, well, if you're going to start something new or if you feel called into something, that there's going to be a period of preparation and there's going to be a period of counting the cost of what this is going to take. Um, everything that you just shared from helping out with the uh, maintenance crew, which is such a great model of servant leadership, to taking a little bit more ownership as a volunteer leader in your church, even going all the way back to um, having that conversation with your wife and getting to the point of saying, yes, I need to go into ministry. I feel like I'm called to do that. And having the courage to say to your wife, I, I think we need to go down this path. And it's just so cool to me that the confirmation was there waiting for you because she was like, hey, how long is this going to take? Um, but that's a great reminder to me that when we're called by God to do something, it's methodical. There's wisdom behind it. It's not, it's not um, half thought if I can say it that way, or half-baked. God doesn't do anything half-baked. Um, and I think that's another confirmation. If you're feeling called to something, there should be preparation with it, and there should be a cost that should be evaluated with it. And that's how God operates. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, 100%. I, I think you always have to count the cost, yeah. and um, you've got to say, Lord, if you're calling me to do this, then that means you're going to equip me. And that equipping may come within me, but it may come through other people. That confirmation, I think we're called to seek wise counsel. Um, no, I think that's really great. And obviously, Tim, you've always listened to your wife because God does speak to us through our wives. We know that. And even if it's not God, we should still listen to our wives. Uh, that's probably healthy for a marriage right there. Um, so my last, my last big question to you, Tim, is so now— You've heard the call, but now there's a geographical interruption. Um, how did you all process? I mean, it's one thing for God to call you into vocational ministry. Now God is calling you to California. That's a big, big change. How did you all know that this was God's calling specifically to this church? You know, it, it is a crazy story because I know I've told folks and folks have made fun of me because uh, for those who may not know me well, um, I have two favorite. I have two favorite topics in the world, and they were they are religion, and they are in politics. And I am relatively conservative in both of them. Uh, so everybody's like, "Are you kidding me, California? Tim Hoyne's going to California?" Um, but what we did when we started this search, we truly we knew there were some places that we wouldn't fit. We knew that going to like a Los Angeles or a San Francisco or a New York City uh, would not be a fit for us. Uh, and so, and and so, we didn't even look in those places. Um, but as we started, you know, sort of in that uh, in that Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the rest of the world, right? We started kind of looking first local, and then a little bit regional, and then uh, you know, and then as we as our as our sphere grew, of okay, where are we looking? Where are we looking? Um, some of it was just God closing doors. Um, as we were faithful to saying, okay, God, we're going to kind of spread a little more. We're going to spread a little more. 
Um, and God just opened and closed doors. And so what, what's very interesting is um, we had a couple, we actually had a couple churches from California and two churches uh, from the Washington area in, in, in the Seattle area kind of experiment, you know, kind of talk just a little bit to us. And we were like, okay, well, maybe West Coast is where God's kind of looking for us. And we love the state of Washington. It's a beautiful place. And uh, and then, of course, as we were looking at the California churches, they tended to be their interior California, which happens to be a little more conservative area of the church of, of the state. Um, not a little more. It's very conservative. It also um, is, is rural. It is much like what the Nebraska we know. Like I said, this, uh, Hanford is the size of Grand Island, Nebraska. It is surrounded by uh, by agriculture. But instead of corn and soybeans, it is there's dairy cattle and there's uh, fruit trees and nut trees and they grow uh, table grapes and raisins there. So yeah, it's not it's not corn and soybeans, but it's still farming. Um, and so there's some you know, you know and so we just saw God really opening these doors. The other thing we asked God to do was to close doors, um, and He closed doors every t- every time we asked Him to open doors and close doors. He did it, mm. um, and it really became clear. And I know that that's not always clear because, believe me, in all of our years, I wish God had more clearly opened and closed some doors for us, and He didn't always. But in this case, He really did. In this case, we were very lucky, and He made it very, uh, very easy for us. And then when we went to when we went to Hanford the first time, we met the folks. And don't get me wrong, right? It's not. We know it's not going to be all, uh, all parades, and you know the first the first week and my ordination week is going to be beautiful parades. I mean, uh, and after that, then they're throwing parts. you a parade, man. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, after that, work starts, um, and so we just have to rely on the Lord again to open and close doors where, where He needs to open and close. But sure, but yeah, it has been an amazing. Just to be clear, to, to the work it. starts. After the parade. After the parade. After the parade okay. is when it starts. I didn't get a parade, so does that mean I don't have to work yet? <laughs> Not yet. Your That's parade's right. coming. Your okay. parade's coming. The parade's coming. All right, Tim, we have just a, a few minutes left, so I'm going to hit you with rapid-fire questions. And so you just got to answer okay. first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Yep. Greatest Husker football player ever. Oh, gosh. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Matt Terman. Okay. Okay. Wow, good for you. Going off the off the beaten path there. Very nice. Yep. Restaurant you're going to miss the most from uh, Omaha. Oh. Uh Piccolo Pete's already closed, so I'm not so that's that's already I'm already missing it. Uh gosh. That's hard. You know what? Bella Vita. Uh I I it's a great place to eat and Christy and I just love it. Great atmosphere, so we'll miss it a lot. Elkhorn, Bella Vita. Elkhorn, yep. Bella Vita. Yep. Okay. That's good. That's a good one. And Last question. Best memory of living in Nebraska? Oh, gosh. Um, you know what? Some of my best memories, and this is going to sound such like a redneck thing. My family goes out and we go trap shooting on the holidays. We, it'll be, there'll be snow on the ground. We literally have, been, have, have had to stop trap shooting an hour before Christmas Eve service so we could go home and get our clothes on and go. Uh, and go worship our Lord. I'm not sure how um, you transition and, from and so, trap shooting to go worship our Lord, but you've done it brilliantly. <laughs> and some of those are my favorite memories. Uh, those, those kind of, I, I am such a red. I love that. That's great, man. What a great way to celebrate Christmas. 
Well, good for you. Um, I do believe we're out of time. Yeah. Tim, it, it has honestly been an absolute pleasure. Uh, if you guys are listening today, my only hope is that you are learning that life interruptions happen all the time, even today, not just in the Bible. And we've learned from just an incredible man who has taken the great adventure and said yes to God, not only once, but throughout his entire life. Uh, what a cool story. Yeah. And and Tim, you know, you and your wonderful wife, Christy, and the boys, you have been such a blessing to so many of us here in, in Nebraska at Three Timbers. And I'm excited for the people that you're going to go and shepherd. They're going to be so blessed to get to know you. And I hope the parade is everything that you hoped it would be. Oh, it, it will be. As, as long as there's like balloons, I'm good. And they can have some trap shooting maybe off of one of the floats. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. Dare to dream. Dare, Dare to dream. dream. All what? right. Well, there you have it. Tim Hoynes, the reverend, the right reverend, Tim Hoynes, joining us on Life Interrupted. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, guys. And thank you guys for watching today, or I should say listening today. If you live in the Omaha or the Bennington area, we would invite you guys to come on out and join us for worship on Sunday mornings. We're at the Stumble Inn in downtown Bennington. Otherwise, we're streaming all of our stuff online at Facebook Live. You can watch us or join us anytime there, too. Have a great day.